y'all. This is the pool. I'm Rain Coleman, your host, and this is episode 25. Alright, y'all. Thank you guys for tuning back into the pool. As you can see, we've been fired on all cylinders. This has been a weekly production, so kudos to me. Pat on the back and all that. <laughs> Alright, guys, it is officially June, which means it is Pride Month, Pride Month 2019, all month long. Now, when you're supporting or acknowledging or reporting or sharing information about any member of the LGBTQAI community this month, please use the hashtag CBNLGBTQ. I'd love to um, help with that supportive effort, be it a podcaster, you're sharing an episode, uh, be it a artist, maybe you've shared a t-shirt or a portrait or something that they've, uh, or you've purchased something uh, associated with a person in the LGBTQAI community, be sure to use that hashtag CBNLGBTQ because I'd love to also help spread that awareness. Uh, I'll be searching that hashtag to see what you know wonderful things you guys are uh, supporting this Pride Month. Um, so jumping right into the housekeeping, BYNKRadio.net, their home, uh, just phenomenal ass people over there. Uh, first and foremost, government name podcast with Shogun and Cole Jackson. Dope, amazing ass show. Of course, you're going to get your laughs. You're going to get some hot takes. You're going to get some current events. Make sure to listen to those guys. And go ahead to that I Sid Davis and listen to The Social Introvert twice a week. Uh, this man is giving you good music. I found a bunch of artists. Uh, not found. Uh, he's he's provided me with a bunch of artists who I knew nothing about. Now my playlist is growing strong and it's sounding good thanks to Mr. Sid Davis over there at The Social Introvert. As well as podcasts, BYNK Radio has a lot of uh, good content over there. We have blog contributors as well, so please be sure to get over there to that site. Click around, look at some things, share some stuff, and uh, share with your friends. <laughs> Alright guys, so we're going to jump right into the headlines we got a kind of a full la, la, la docket, as John says. So uh, first and foremost, Pose Season 2 will be here Tuesday, June 11th of 2019, which means that House of Poser Season 2 will come back as well. I'm looking forward to reconnecting with such a phenomenal cast. Gather round, children. We have a lot of tea to spill. Our story starts in New York City, 1987, with the House of Abundance, one of the most legendary houses. One of Electra's children, Blanca, decided it was time to break out and make a name for herself. I'm going to form my own house. It's my time, it's my dream, and I'm going for it. Child, I ain't gonna lie to you. It was rough, rough, rough at the beginning. These children she recruited, they were a mess. And yes, that is shade. Damon seemed to have some talent. Lil Poppy was, well, Poppy. And Angel was dating some fine business type white boy. She seemed to love him, maybe because he gave her money and an apartment. While Blanca was off dealing with her family, Electra thought it was time to finally get that surgery she had always dreamed of. How does it feel? It hurts worse than I ever imagined. But it also feels better than I ever dreamed. And with Electra taking a hiatus, her loyal children, Miss Candy and Lulu, wasted no time jumping into her throne. They won some trophies without her. Oh, work it out! 
who decided they could be mothers of their very own house. The house of ferocity. In the end, it was Evangelista versus Ferocity at the Princess Ball for Mother of the Year. And Ferocity came out swinging. Literally, Miss Candy had a hammer. But Blanca reigned supreme and won Mother of the Year in my design, no less. There's a whole new style of dance coming onto the scene. And child, you don't want to miss this. Bruh, they have, man, I'm so happy this show got renewed for season two, and I'm ready. So if you're watching Pose, we're going we gonna to try to do the live tweeting thing, use that hashtag, House of Poser, or Poser Pod, and all that. I, once we get closer to it, I'll let y'all know. But uh, make sure to check out Carefree Black Nerd's review of uh, Pose season one to get you ready for this uh, season two that's coming up real quick. Also, uh, Billy Porter has a nice little recap of uh, the things that happened in season one, like a, a quick little, little summary. So check that out as well. Uh, okay, so moving on. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Woo! Okay, opening weekend brought in $130 million worldwide. So according to Variety, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, earned one thirty. In mil, excuse me, $130 million in this past weekend. Now, I did not see this movie. I've never really had the desire to see it either. Uh, but kudos to them. Uh, this earning gave Godzilla the number one spot internationally. Now, there isn't to say that Godzilla isn't good because I wasn't interested. I just, that's never been my wheelhouse. But I do see the draw there. And I really would like to um, eventually see the movie. But good God, $130 million? Okay, you did that. <laughs> now in China the movie earned the most I think they said it came in at about 70 million Japan it was 8.4 million uh, Mexico followed up with 4.6 million so again con friggin congratulations to that creative team that marketing team over there for Godzilla King of the Monsters who what uh, let's see what else okay so black label DC Comics okay so for those of you who don't know uh, comics come out every month. <laughs> no, uh, DC Comics has an imprint, which is the black label. This is a label that is very different from the regular comics, and I'll explain. Most comics, you try to have it geared towards, you know, YA or everyone where everyone can read. Then you have your more serious comics. You have your comedy comics. You have your ones that are written specifically for children with the art style and the writing. Now, black label was created last year in 2018. Uh, DC's Black Label is an imprint intended to allow creators to take a fan favorite character in a new direction without having to worry about conforming to the DC Comics continuity. That being said, DC Marvel image, but DC and Marvel specifically, they have stories, they have characters, and they have them on a certain continuity. So there are certain things that a Captain Marvel would do and certain things that she wouldn't do. There are certain things that a Iron Man would do and there are certain things that he wouldn't do. And for the most part, when a creative team gets control of a book, you know, they just write the book, but the editor may give them certain limits on what they can do and say with the character. These stories in Black Label allows you to disregard all of that. 
So you can take a Superman character and you can make him queer, make him Asian, you can make him be a mass murderer, you can make him be a frail 14-year-old child, you can make him be a weathered old man, you can make him be a woman, you can make him be a trans person, you can make him be a car. In this continuity, you, the creative teams do what they want, they just want to tell a good story. Now, some of the other titles in this, some of the titles, excuse me, rather, in this Black Label line are uh, Batman Damned, which that, um, I believe I've seen the, the, I'm familiar with Batman Damned, and then Batman Last Night on Earth, which is a book that I picked up during New Comic Book Day this past week. Um, there's the upcoming Superman Year One, which a lot of people, um, you kind of fall on two sides of the spectrum with Superman. Some people think that he's boring because he's overpowered and you can't really write a good story with him. And then others think that that's part of the the fun and a good writer would be able to make a compelling story. Regardless to how you fall with this Superman story being told in the black label imprint, I'm very interested to see what are they going to do with him. Especially with the Brightburn movie um, uh, with the existence of the Brightburn movie, excuse me, and then the Superman Red Sun graphic novel that had him falling from the sky in Russia as opposed to Kansas, seeing how that story turned out. So, again, I'm interested to see what this Superman Year One is going to be about under the Black Label imprint. Uh, let's see what else we have here. We have Batman White Knight. Now, y'all know that is a fan favorite over here at Carefree Black Nerd. Batman White Knight was a phenomenal story. You took the character of Batman and his rogues gallery and you flipped it on his head and you presented the readers with something new and something fresh. And I loved it. That being said, that story, Batman White Knight, has kind of been retconned to be under the DC Black Label banner, even though it technically wasn't. But I'm okay with that because it is such a different take on the character well not even different it's just yeah it's a different take you get your true batman that you're reading you get your true joker and everyone else but again they took something that we already know something that's been established and kind of turned it on his head ever so slightly so oh man and then y'all if batman white knight was if i wasn't stressing enough that that is a fan favorite we have Batman Curse of the White Knight, which is supposed to be the follow-up to that White Knight initial um, uh, um, series. Excuse me. I kind of blanked there. That being said, bruh, if, we get, if this Batman Curse of the White Knight is as good or better than Batman White Knight, and then we get a third installation, this would be a freaking trilogy that I would want to see. Like, this is... I already want to see Batman White Knight. I already wanted to see it in a um, on-screen live-action form. I mean, I do. I could do animation, but with the the dynamic artwork that went into this book, I wouldn't want to see DC House style. I wouldn't want to see. I just I I would take it because I love that story. But I would love to see real fleshed-out people in these roles. I'd want to see someone take the Joker and not go so far left and lean into the hysterics of his character but to portray him in white knight you have to go the opposite direction and be the most stand-up guy you could possibly be so i okay enough of that enough of that so speaking of dc's black label we move on to the next story which is criminal sanity so DC Comics Black Label series has the next miniseries, which will focus on the Joker and Harley Quinn. 
This will be titled Joker Harley Criminal Sanity. Um, this is from writer Cami Garcia and artist Mike Matthews and Micah Soyan. I believe I said that right. S-U-A-Y-A-N. Soyan. Soyan. Hmm. Okay. So this story reframes Harley as a forensic psychologist, excuse me, psychiatrist rather, and profiler working the Joker's case as a consultant for the Gotham City PD. Um, her work helps bring the police closer and closer to catching up with the Joker. Now, the Joker, who in this series is a version that is more down to earth, more human with his issues. So, uh, Cami Garcia, in a statement with The Hollywood Reporter, says, I want to approach this project as if the Joker were a real person, an intelligent psychopath who kills because he wants to, not because he suffers from delusions. To me, a version of the Joker who is sane, like John Wayne Gacy or Ted Bundy, is more frightening. In the series, Harley is the only character with the skill set and intelligence to hunt the Joker, but the investigation will force her to confront her own inner demons. Bruh, tell me that, like, again, like I said, taking characters and flipping them on their head, altering stuff just slightly, we don't even need any Batman in this story. It's so... It already sounds great. Also, in this day and age of true crime being all the freaking rage and comic book movies becoming part of the permanent, permanent fixtures in this like film media conversation, this sounds like a great ass idea and concept. Like, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to give us with this series. And honestly, I'm energized for this black label in a way that I haven't been for comics in a while. Uh, it's no secret that on the mutant side of things over at Marvel, I'm not really invested. I'm not getting stories that feel like they matter. And this is even before Hickman made his speech about having the X-Men titles uh, canceled and focusing on those two. Prior to that, I still had not felt like they mattered. I didn't feel like they were telling good stories. Not good stories. That's um, kind of harsh. I didn't feel like they were telling stories that had staying power um so take that as you will that being said dc has been giving me a lot dc universe has been a good app dc's uh shows on cw have been you know stellar um then you're giving me this black label series and then even the comics have been good thus far um on average have been good and even like black dark knight's metal i didn't read the entire the entirety of it but so many great things have come from there. The Batman Who Laughs, that is a seriously frightening and sickening character. Like, bruh. And like I said, black black man, Batman White Knight, even that, like, DC is doing some good stuff. Now, I'm not going to say Marvel ain't doing anything, but DC is really, I think, doing well in some areas and not so well in others. But that being said, this DC black label, you can end up telling stories that are going to flip people on their head. Because think of it. The general public knows about Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. They know they're Batmans. There have been Batman movies for decades. And they're going to expect the Batman to be a certain way. If you hit the general public with Batman, White Knight. I mean, like you, as a regular, as a regular person, as the general public who does not read comics, but who does enjoy these TV shows and movies. This is going to flip it on. It's, you gonna, you're going to get some conversation out of this. You're going to get some buzz. Every movie that we've seen the Joker in, he has been the villain. So for him to be the hero of that story, mm, 
I digress. I'm discussing White Knight again, and that's not part of the headlines. Oh, man. So, anyways, just knowing that this series exists in the same label as the other DC Black Label stories has me hopeful. And I'm actually looking forward to this, like, DC era of storytelling. Um, now, if we could just get some black characters and some creative teams, then we'd be all set. Like, that's... I mean, come on, DC, goddammit. Okay, uh, so moving on. Candyman by Jordan Peele. So, the Jordan Peele project, Candyman sequel, is going to begin filming in August um, on the 20th. And it will wrap up on the 20th of September. This is going to be in Chicago, of course, of 2019. Now, this film is a spiritual sequel and will return to the Cabrini Green housing projects that have now been gentrified in this version or this story of Candyman. Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, excuse me, from Aquaman and Us, will play an artist who becomes obsessed with the bloody legend. Uh, now, his role is Anthony. Anthony is a socially pronounced artist in Chicago, uh, begins to research the urban legend of Candyman. After investigating the killer's last known whereabouts, strange killings begin to occur around Anthony. The protagonist will serve a role similar to that of Virginia Madsen's character, Helen Lyle, from the original 1992 movie. So, first of all, kudos to you, Mr. Abdul-Mateen II. Like, ah, just seeing all these brown and black bodies getting these roles. I don't know that I'll be watching Candyman. Uh, I was not a fan of the uh, project when I was a kid. This one, I'm I'm more likely to see just because it's Jordan Peele and I want to support, but uh, I ain't, I don't know. So how about this, guys? Once this movie comes out, because it'll be released on June 12th of 2020, I want y'all, though it's so far in the future, a year pretty much, I want y'all to <laughs> give me your little review. Like, you watch it and give me a little, like, two-minute review and then email that to me, <laughs> and I'll definitely put it in the show. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, I think Patterson, uh, Rob, Robert Patterson, uh, a.k.a. Edward Cullen, has now been cast as the Batman. I'm going to glance over that. I'm not. He's Batman. Period. Period. Uh, now, the trailer for The Kitchen drops. Now, I remember reporting on this, uh, The Kitchen, the comic book's adaptation to the big screen, and about Tiffany Haddish's role uh, being that race-bent character from the comics where she is a white woman. And I reported this on The Pool. Forgive me, I don't remember which episode, but I do remember discussing this, uh, mainly because Tiffany Haddish is a comedian. She's a comedic actress, and this role is a more serious role. It's a very heavy one. And um, I think from what I've seen, one, I was always confident that she'd be able to do a good job. But from what I've seen in the trailer, she's 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 doing well now again it is just a trailer so it remains to be seen but the whole project looks really really good now the kitchen is a uh, 2019 crime drama when gangster husbands wind up in prison in the 1970s their wives take over their organization and become hell's kitchen's most powerful mobsters now this upcoming american crime drama was filmed and written and directed by andrea berloff um, in her directorial debut, the film is based on the Vertigo comic book miniseries of the same name by Ali Masters and Ming Doyle. Now, just for you guys who don't know out there, Vertigo is an imprint of DC Comics. Uh, so it is a DC production. Now, this rated R movie is set to be released on August 9th of 2019. There we go, y'all. Um, the Kitchen stars Tiffany Haddish as Ruby O'Carroll. 
Melissa McCarthy as Kathy and Elizabeth Moss as Claire Walsh. Now, Melissa McCarthy, her, that, her, first of all, Tiffany, kudos to you. You're doing amazing, sweetie. Melissa McCarthy in that trailer looks so damn good. Like, she she was so believable and so convincing. Like, and again, these are two comedic actors who are just killing it. So, uh, I don't know. Fist in the air. Kudos to y'all. Now, the actual book, the Vertigo book, um, is as this states. In Hell's Kitchen in the 1970s, married women have their place. And it isn't out on the streets collecting loan shark payments for the Irish mob. But when their gangster husbands get sent up the river, prison widows Kathy, Raven, and Angie can't see any other way to make a living. And, as it turns out, they're pretty damn good at the job. So good, in fact, that they start attracting attention from the big leagues. As the trio expands their operation and consolidates their grip on Manhattan's west side, a sit-down with the Mafia higher-ups is inevitable. If they play their cards right, the city could be their oyster, as long as the bodies they've left in their wigs stay buried. <laughs> so, um, collected in this uh, series, The Vertigo, um, uh, The Kitchen, excuse me, is the seven-issue miniseries, of course, again, by Ali Masters, Ming Doyle, and Jordi Belair. Uh, the Kitchen opens a cracked and a sooty window onto the era of New York City and the hard scramble ambitions that fueled its rise. Like, whoo, man. Again, the trailer looks great. The book itself is pretty gosh darn good. And uh, I'm looking forward to this in August. All right, y'all. So uh, we're going to go on and take a little break and then we'll be back. Times change. You do what you got to do. Some kids. Most employers don't want mothers. It's a competitive market. You don't know me. For money, you survive. Now might be the time. For what? For you. Our husbands have 24 months left on their sentences. Sorry, baby. This is the Irish mob, organized crime. We're gonna take care of you. You girls are gonna be just fine. We got no money. Can't even make the rent with what they gave me last night. They didn't want me in the family in the first place. 40 years we pay protection and we don't get nothing for it. They have been telling us forever that we are never gonna do anything but have babies. Bunch of men that have forgotten what family means. So we remind them. You look pretty, Mama. Pretty doesn't matter. It's just a tool women use. What? Anything we want. What do you want? We are gonna have crews everywhere. I can see you got brains, and I know you got money. But we got one thing that you don't. We got criminals. I told you we can't go around working for a bunch of women. You are not smarter than me. I will wipe you off the face of the earth. I don't want you to do it. Just to be clear, now we run this neighborhood. Step off my base. 
business. Baby, it's my business now. They're going to swallow this entire city. You go to war, there's no coming back. Alfonso Coretti wants to talk. If we go to Brooklyn, we're dead. What do you wear to something like that? You get dressed up? Are you kidding? What? <laughs> All right, y'all, we are back. Uh, okay, so for the pool this week, I actually picked up a graphic novel entitled Daredevil Born Again. Now, uh, Born Again is a classic story in the Daredevil continuity mythos or whatnot. Um, it is a 1986 comic book story arc. So, 86, I'm saying mm, approximately 32 years ago. Um, it appeared in Marvel Comics Daredevil series. Now, it was written by Frank Miller and drawn by David Massachusetts. Mm. Maz, you know what? I'm not butchering this man's name. Drawn by David. His uh, look up, Google it. Gosh dang! <laughs> now the storyline first appeared in Daredevil number two twenty seven to two thirty one, but then it was reprinted in the graphic novel format along with the previous issues of two twenty six and a follow up story arc from Daredevil two thirty two to two thirty three. I believe that is the issue that I have. Yep, two twenty six through two thirty three. I have the reprinted graphic novel form. Now, it uh, resolves some loose ends from the original arc uh, because this that follow-up story arc has become considered part of the Born Again um, arc, for lack of a better term. Now, this is, again, published by Marvel Comics, of course. Now, this came out in February of August, February through August of 86. It is... Um, the main characters really they have listed as daredevil kingpin and foggy now i've started reading this graphic novel and i i've kind of fallen off from reading my books like i had been in the past but this one has me interested but i want to kind of sit back uh give me a little drink maybe you know put some little music in the background <laughs> some some soft sounds and read this damn novel um it's so the first page now let me let let's Let's get our head around something. Daredevil. And a lot of the superheroes in Marvel Comics were masked superheroes. They had secret identities. Listen to what I am telling you. I am opening this novel to the very first page in which Daredevil's identity has been revealed. Like, the rest of it is just a whirlwind ride from there to get to the end of this book. So... The story is Daredevil's descent into insanity um, at the hand of the Kingpin, as well as the struggles to build a new life for himself. Like, that's that's good as hell. So, a little bit of background. Uh, with the regular writer, Denny O'Neill, preparing to leave the Daredevil series, uh, the long-running editor, Ralph Machino, called up Frank Miller and asked if he would be interested in returning to the series. Miller, whose first stint uh, as a writer had brought Daredevil from the brink of cancellation to the top sellers list. So this this man is Daredevil. <laughs> now, he um, agreed under the condition that the artist David Mazzuccelli, 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 yeah, I'm going to just say David M., uh, would work for uh, from full scripts. And that was contrary to the rumor that David M. did not draw over layouts by Miller. The artwork on the story is entirely David M.'s. So a uh, quick little summary without spoiling the entire series for you. 
Karen Page, the former secretary of the Nelson and Murdoch Law Offices and girlfriend of Matt Murdoch, had left years earlier to pursue an acting career. After a brief period of success, she became a heroin addict and was reduced to starring in pornographic films in Mexico. Strapped for cash, she sells the information that Matt Murdock is Daredevil for a shot of heroin. This information is sold upward to the Kingpin. Over the next six months, the Kingpin uses his influence to have the IRS freeze Murdock's accounts, the bank foreclose on his apartment, and police lieutenant testify that he saw Murdock pay a witness to perjure himself. By coincidence, Murdoch's girlfriend, Gloria O'Brien, breaks up with him and turns to dating his law partner and best friend, Foggy Nelson, on the rebound. What the hell? And I know you're like, well, shit, you didn't spoil everything. No, there's so much going on in this dang on story. Like, bruh, bruh, you got to, mm, you got to, you got to, you got to read this book. <laughs> so there were a lot of themes and symbolism, symbolism, symbolism in this in this run. Daredevil has always been pretty spiritual and pretty religious um, of a character, and it's been that way in a not so campy version, if that makes sense. Like it doesn't feel like a joke, regardless to how you feel about religion. It feels like I think Daredevil and Nightcrawler are the two characters that actually, when they have their religious moments or their religious religiosity is explored it feels very real in a way that for me and this is for me kitty pride being jewish is not that important not that not that it's not that important it doesn't feel as defining of a feature to her like the religion is for daredevil and for nightcrawler if that makes sense if you agree, please be sure to use that hashtag, the pool CBN. And if you disagree, use it as well and let me know why. Uh, now, this makes heavy use of the Christian symbolism, uh, usually, of course, from the Roman Catholicism. And uh, while the story is set during the Christmas season, it follows Easter themes as well. Um, the splash pages of the first four chapters all show Matt Murdock laying down. In chapters two and three, he is in a fetal position. So, like I said, a lot of religious symbolism is shown through. And I think that's very good, um, all things considered. Because, like I said with the Kitty Pride um, reference, it's one thing to write so-and-so is a religious character. It's another thing to be able to show that and show it convincingly enough so that it, it complements the words and the words complement the actions that are on on screen or page rather uh, now the sequel uh, the last rights story arc in Daredevil 297 to 300 uh, though written and drawn by an entirely different set of creators is to an extent a thematic sequel to Born Again uh, the plot of last rights is centered on Daredevil and I'm going to stop there because I don't want to spoil too much of any of this, though this is a like 30 plus year old arc, for those of you who haven't read it or have just now will stumble upon Born Again by listening to this show or even in the future, I don't want to spoil that because I think this is a really good uh, book so far and I'm enjoying it. Now, I may give a little play-by-play -play on Twitter. Make sure to follow me there, get Carefree Blurred and uh, kind of check in every now and then to give my thoughts about the, the story. Now, in other media, now some of the elements of Born Again story arc were teased in season two and three of Netflix's Daredevil, um, mainly the stuff with Kingpin and going to jail and getting out and all that other stuff. And so 
like I said, solid storytelling. Solid storytelling. Like, there's a reason why X-Men, though they are over at Fox currently, though they're owned by Marvel now, um, they still keep going back to the Dark Phoenix saga. That is a very impactful storyline, story arc. Um, elements of Born Again being put into the Daredevil series makes sense because that is a very good body of work. Um, so yeah, so that's that. I, uh, I say go check out Born Again if you guys can. You know, read it online. Uh, see if your local library has a copy. Uh, go buy it. You know, so especially if you're a Daredevil fan. If you're not, I still think it's worth a read. So um, yeah, that's that. So, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in uh, to the pool. This has been a fun ride. Happy Pride for all of you out there. Um, if you made it this far, please uh, send me a tweet. Hashtag uh, CarefreeBlackNerd. I made it here. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. That being said, I do have some things on the works. Um, I have a YouTube-ish thing going on that I'm working on. So, please, guys. If you could go over there to that youtube.com, search for Carefree Black Nerd, and subscribe. Uh, and let me know what content would you like to see. I'm really uh, thinking long and hard about doing this video aspect or imprint of the Carefree Black Nerd podcast. So please go and subscribe on YouTube. Search Carefree Black Nerd and hit that subscribe button. Hit that bell as well. And also DM me, be it Twitter, be it Instagram, Twitter, Carefree Blurred, Instagram, Carefree Black Nerd. Or, uh, and let me know what would you like to see. If I translate this podcast or this personality onto a YouTube visual medium, what would you want to see from Carefree Black Nerd? And uh, let me know so I can kind of add that into some other things I have in the works. I appreciate you guys' patience and tuning into the shows. You know, I've been doing this for a few years now, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy with what I've been doing, and I'm happy with the engagement. Um, not just like more. I like more, like it all. So, <laughs> that being said, guys, make sure uh, go to go over to your local podcasting app and share, share the show, write a review, give me those five stars if you don't mind, and uh, let everyone know that you're listening. Let's make this a conversation. Tweet me, use that hashtag CBNPod or the pool CBN. Both will get to me. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Carefree Blurred. All other social medias, Carefree Black Nerd. While you're over there at the the Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play, Google Play, all that other good stuff, and you leave that review, share it, let everyone know that you're listening. Again, make this a conversation. Happy Pride Month, everyone! And um, yeah, email me as well. Oh, also with the YouTube thing, if it's easier, just email me carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com and let me know your thoughts. So uh, until next time, guys, I want you all to stay carefree. Stay nerdy, stay geeky, uh, happy pride, and uh, that's it.